0: Well, we're going to tackle a big question today. Is it God's will or just my poor decisions? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to be taking care of business today as usual. Love that intro. Still don't get tired of that even after all these years. Yeah, this is kind of what we do. You know, it's like getting a tune up, taking care of business, making your life better. We get to choose. Well, that's going to be a big theme for us today. We get to choose how we make our lives better or worse. This is Dan Miller on the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real life questions about finding your passion deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is, in fact, meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at today. Dan, I'm losing my job. What do I tell potential employers when I interview with them? And then how about this one? Can you recommend some resources that we can use to teach our children about entrepreneurship and starting a business? What do you suggest for someone whose mind is all over the place? My previous employer wants me to come back and train the new guy. Should I charge a consulting fee? Dan, what can I sell to the 20 to 250,000 people coming to a race at Daytona in February? Well, interesting questions. love them all. Love your questions. It's a thrill of mine each week to open that magic mailbox and go through the questions or real life questions from you, the listeners. If you got a question, just shoot it into me at askdan at 48 dayscom anytime you want to. You can also, when you, uh, well, you can go to any page on 48days.com and just uh, click on the microphone. If you want to leave an audio message once in a while, I include one of those as well. Our quotation then today comes from, and I wanted to choose somebody who is highly regarded, well-known, and about this issue of choices. So I chose a John Maxwell quotation, and John says, Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. Now, we know that some people don't feel that. They feel like they're kind of pawns being moved around. We are going to give this an, ex- an exhaustive study today, but I'm going to touch on some things that I think can make you think about your own situation. So the question then, the call to action is going to be, how are you making choices that determine your future? All right, now let's go through some good news things and we'll jump right into some of these hot potato questions we got this week. Good news. I love these pieces. Always easy to find things that are happening out there that are great. It's not just all bad news, folks. Believe me. Here, company founder surprises employees with a $20 million gift. While some employers might be celebrating the season of giving by mailing out some greeting cards, this company founder is going above and beyond to show his employees how much he appreciates their work. Mark Baida, the chairman and founder of Baida Home Healthcare, was hosting a staff luncheon for his employees at the Bellevue Hospital or Hotel in Philadelphia earlier this week when he said he had a surprise for them. He said, I'm taking $20 million, dividing it up and giving it to everybody. I wanted to show some gratitude to everybody for all the hard work you've done to take care of our clients. Well, needless to say, there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. The Philadelphia-based private nursing company is worth $1.4 billion. It currently boasts a staff of 32,000 people who received varying amounts of money based on their seniority with the company. So some longtime staffers were given thousands of dollars and new hires received more modest sums. Even former workers who retired from the company after 2010, so that's eight years now, reportedly received checks in the mail. He said, again, the owner said, I just wanted to say thank you to them all. Thanksgiving is a season of gratitude. You look around your life and say, I'm so fortunate. Well, you know, I, I have known some people who have done Similar things like that. I and mean, I know some very generous business owners I have a dear friend who sold a company uh, some time ago, a few years ago, but he sold a company for $18 million. So he tithed 10%. I mean, he didn't have any investors or anything, it was all his Tithed 10%. And then he took another 10% and gave it to his employees. Now he had about 30 employees at the time. So it was a small company. Well, one long term guy got $175,000. Bonus check out of that. Others got other amounts, but if you just do the math on that, the average would have been about $60,000. Yeah, pretty cool. And there are company owners who have big hearts, believe me, especially this time of year. Well, here's a piece. There's a viral video out there of a little street kid selling, you know, just selling trinkets, goods, little candy bars and things on the street, but he was able to speak multiple languages. And a gal, Who identifies herself a travel blogger identifies herself as venus gwc was visiting a temple in cambodia earlier this month and she started chatting with some of the young street vendors who you know were selling their wares now she spoke with a lot of kids but there was especially uh, an attraction to this little boy named thaxon who claimed that he could speak in a dozen languages now the video of this is really amazing and you can find it. Just put in, you know, street vendor speaks 12 languages, Cambodia, or something like that. You can find it. It's really amazing. So at the start of the video, the little boy switches from speaking Cantonese to French. And this gal who he was talking to, who was taking the video, kept challenging him on this. And then he continues their conversation in Japanese, Mandarin, Thai, Malay, Filipino, English, and Spanish. Even added that he can speak in German and Korean. And it's delightful watching him. I watched the video. It's about four minutes long, but I watched the video and he said that he's selling these knickknacks on the street so he can go to school someday. I mean, that's really his goal. And he's very persistent in wanting to sell. And he keeps in continuing in each language with this gal, trying to get her to buy some of what he has. Well, obviously, eventually she did, but she put the video up and it's been viewed millions of times. Now there's, and the little kid at one point started singing a Chinese song. He changed the words a little bit because he cleverly changed here we are waiting for you to here we are selling things for you. The TV station that picked this up is now financing an all expenses paid three day vacation for the little boy and his family for a singing audition. If he nails the audition, he could land a singing contract. Additionally, the Cambodian Red Cross volunteered to pay for his and his siblings to go to school. They've also given food and supplies to the boy's family. Well, I mean, just what a, what a cool kind of thing to see this video that went viral to change the life of a little boy. But it's amazing. And this, this, this has to do with education. This little boy wasn't sitting in school learning languages. He was living on the streets trying to eke out a few dollars every day to help support his family to hope that someday he would be able to go to school. And in the meantime, he knows 12 languages. He said he learned them from the tourist. But I mean, how amazing is that? I mean, he just seamlessly flips from one language to the next. What an amazing talent and what an amazing education this little boy already has. You know, you almost wonder, you hate to spoil him by putting him in a, in a school, if he's getting that kind of an education and growing his abilities culturally, entrepreneurship wise, you know, being able to create income. Wow. That's almost, is it a move forward or a move back to put him in school? Well, I'll let you decide that. That's a topic for another day. Well, speaking of kids, here's a seven-year-old becomes certified as a barber so she can offer free haircuts to kids in her city. This little girl, name is Even Before she started the second grade, she became a certified barber. Now her older brother was going to go to barber school. He decided he didn't have that kind of interest. She had gone there enough with him. She decided she really wanted to do, and they allowed her to go through the training program to become certified at seven years old. What she's doing now is offering free haircuts to the kids in her city. I mean, that's a pretty cool kind of thing that she's doing. Very, very cool. Well, here's a guy who lost his wallet on an airplane and a stranger found it. And what do you think the stranger did? Well, you know, it wouldn't be in the good news if the stranger just took the credit cards and the money out there and took it for his own. No, he returned it to the owner and added a little more cash as well. Well, a compassionate airline passenger ensured that a 20 year old was re- reunited with his lost wallet along with a little something extra to make up for the time that he had spent separated from his wallet. So Hunter Shammett first lost his wallet while he was on a Frontier Airlines flight from Omaha to attend his sister's wedding in Las Vegas earlier this month. Upon realizing that his wallet was lost, he contacted the airline to see if anyone had turned it in, but no, sorry, they hadn't. Now, his wallet contained his ID, a signed paycheck, his debit card, and $60 in cash, and he knew, you know, he feared the worst. However, shortly after the flight, he was stunned to receive an overnight package in the mail from an anonymous sender. Inside was his wallet, complete with everything that he had in there, along with an additional $40 in cash. And the note says, hey, I found this on a frontier flight from Omaha to Denver, row 12 seat F wedge between the seat and the wall. Thought you might want it back. All the best. P.S. I rounded your cash up to an even $100 so you could celebrate getting your wallet back. Have fun. Well, Hunter's mother, Jeannie, posted a photo of the letter to social media in hopes that they would be able to track down the sender. Thank them for their kindness. All they had to go on was that the letter was sent from applied underwriters in Omaha and the sender's initials were signed TB. Well, they did identify the Good Samaritan as Todd Brown, a father of five, who was delighted to have the chance to have a little fun with helping out a hardworking stranger. He said, I saw he was just a kid, 20 years old. He had a paycheck in there. So I figured, well, he's doing his best. I mean, he could identify how old he was because of driver's license and all that. He thought he's probably doing his best to make ends meet. I was 20 once. That's a lot of money for a kid. So (laughs) he added a little money and sent it on. I think that's a fun thing to do, the right thing to do. I mean, it, those things do happen. Now I not too long ago, I went to the post office and used the stamp machine. You know, I mailed a couple things. I like to do that cuz you don't have to stand in line. I mailed a couple things, got some stamps, and anyway, went on my way. You know, made a couple other stops. I think I stopped at the bank and went to went to have lunch and I went to reach for my wallet to pay for lunch, and I didn't have it. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. How is that possible? How could I possibly have left it? You know, it's pretty automatic for me to grab it in the morning, put it in my pocket. And I thought, well, did I take it out of my computer and because I needed to get something and then left it lay on my desk? And I thought, well, I must have done that. So I got in my car. I thought, well, I just need to head home. Don't have my wallet with me. And I thought, no, wait a minute. I went to the post office. I mailed packages. I had to have had my wallet with me at that time in order to pay for the packages and stamps. I thought, you know what? I'll bet I left it lay right there in the lobby of the post office. And we're told that post office here in Franklin, Tennessee is one of the busiest post offices in the nation. Lots and lots of people streaming in and out all the time. And I said, I'll bet I left my wallet laying there when I put the postage, you know, the the stamps on the packages. I went back to the post office. Now, here's the thing. I live in Franklin, Tennessee. I know what kind of people live here. So I didn't panic. I didn't think, oh my gosh, you know, credit cards, debit cards, identification, so many things in there and I'm up a creek. No, I just went back, found one of the gals that I know at the post office. I said, you know, I was in here about two hours ago, and I think I maybe left my wallet. She said, give me a minute. She went back and checked, came back out. She says, yeah, somebody turned it in a couple hours ago, just like I had expected. Everything intact. I took my wallet and just thanked good Lord, that I live in Franklin, Tennessee, I guess, and that people still care and are compassionate like that. You know, recently there were uh, seven of us guys in the Eagles community who went to Cuba. Michael McGreevy had flown to Tampa and then from Tampa on down to Fort Lauderdale and down to Havana. Well, he realized he had left his phone in the Tampa airport. So the whole time we were in Cuba down there for about a week, he didn't have his phone. You know, we joked about it and all that. Somebody else was probably using it. And uh, we even pinged it. We were able to ping it and didn't locate it that it was in the Tampa airport. But my gosh, thousands of people coming through there. Who knows how that's going to turn out? Well, he didn't worry about it a whole lot. And sure enough, when he went back, flew back through Tampa, checked in, no problem at all identified his phone, got it right back again. Well, there's plenty of stories like that going around. So those are the kind of things we want to share here. Thanks for sending in your notes about good news. Again, you can just shoot those into me at askdan at 48 dayscom There's something you know of personally that's good news that's worthy of being shared here. We'd love to do that. All right, now I started off today with that kind of provocative question, you know, is it really God's will or is it just my bad decisions? Now, here's a question. I posted this in our Eagles community and uh, I'm watching as the, as the comments come in, when does bearing your cross or it must be God's will become an excuse for repeatedly making poor decisions? Now this was prompted by two conversations I had two interactions I had in a 24-hour period. One came from a gentleman who texted me on Monday night. Texted me, Dan, I'm sorry. I'm having to find aid tonight. There's no support or aid coming from my family anymore. It's sad. Now, let me preface this a little bit. This is coming from a guy who 10 years ago seemed to really be at the top of his game. He was putting together major conferences, bringing all the big, big success speakers. He, you know, golly, would stroll onto the stage in his $2,000 suit, you know, driving a new Lexus, flying first class or in private jet. I mean, this guy was a high roller, and he really was a really high roller. Some things changed, and there was a pretty dramatic deterioration, well, really dramatic deterioration. So, well, this—I'll tell you what I got just Monday night, and then I'll back up a little bit. He says, "Sorry, I'm having to find aid tonight. There's no support coming from my family anymore. I'm thawing out inside a sports bar downtown right now, watching the Titans versus the Texas game that was on Monday night. I have zero money to buy food or coffee in order to stay up and inside somewhere like one of Nashville's all-night diners. There's no room at any of the homeless shelters, which I don't really understand." He said, I rode my bike there and got turned away twice. I didn't know that homeless shelters did that. He says, it's 26 degrees outside Nashville. Last night I slept on the sidewalk under a vacant store awning. Night before that in the woods behind a movie theater with my makeshift tent that I created. Now, this is a guy who used to have, I mean, I've been to his house. I mean, he used to have a really fine house. Owned a couple condos. Well, again, we're going to back up with all the details. He says, all my camping tents were stolen from me. I cannot be outside tonight as I already have a sore throat. I would get very sick staying outside tonight. I was freezing outside in this 40 cold wave. I just stepped inside a sports bar, watched the Titans versus Houston. I ordered French fries and a Coke and I have zero money to pay for them, but I'm hungry. So I'm sending this as I just need a little bread to be able to order coffee and some food wherever I end up. I'm just going to try to stay awake inside all at an all-night restaurant, I'll drink their coffee, et cetera, but I need a little money to pay for the Coke and fries and tips. Now, that came in. Now, I didn't have to make a hard decision on this because it came in at 9.32 and I was already sound asleep, so I didn't see it till the next day. Now, I still haven't responded because it's one of these situations where I don't know where to go next. I want to be generous. I want to help somebody out. But let, let me just kind of, let me back up a little bit with a story here. Again, I told you that, you know, this guy was a high roller. A couple of years ago, you know, he crashed big time, personal failures, business compromises, et cetera. He contacted me two years ago. He was homeless. I mean, it blew my mind when he first contacted me, told me the situation he was in. His truck was going to be repossessed that day. He couldn't pay to keep his cell phone on, some other things. I met with him, talked for a couple hours, bailed him out temporarily. So got him caught up. And then it just went on. Then it went on. Dan, you know, text, Dan, I know this is crazy. I had money stolen from me this week uh, and um, had to spend $375 in van repair last week and a tight squeeze this minute. Just needing friends, a tiny help to get by. I just ran out of gas. Lucky to have coasted into a public's parking lot in Mount Jewett, but I can't stay here got my gas jug ready. It's 33 degrees or 38 degrees tonight, but I don't have a canister of propane for heat. I, I started getting these kind of messages just ongoing. Now I've met with this guy. I mean, I know this guy. Well, I've met with him repeatedly. And I says, look, you know, we can sit right from when we looking here and we can see three, we're hiring signs. Go get a job, get a job. I mean, Amazon has a major presence here in Nashville. The minimum they pay is $15 an hour. You can make 600 bucks a week doing that. Do that to give yourself some kind of a fountain. No, he won't do that. He always has the next big idea. Man, if this works out, I'm going to be rolling high. I'm going to be smoking cigars and, you know, writing big checks to my friends. That's how he thinks. He's locked in that mentality and here he is at this point, absolutely nothing, ordered fries and a Coke at a restaurant and didn't have money in his pocket to pay for him. I mean, he'll get arrested for doing that. If not, maybe that would be a good thing. They end up in jail for the night, at least it's warm and they'll feed you. Well, how do we do that? Now, let me give you just some quick principles here. We're going to park on this all day, but it's a challenging kind of question. How do we explain the situation that we're in? Now here's what I'm also I also want to share. I want to share that in in looking at people like this, observing this, not just with this one guy, but with lots of people. My assumption used to be that if you had a crash and burn, after you being successful, you would bounce back because you knew how to get there. But I see people these days who after being fairly successful, have a tough spot and stay down. And what I'm observing is that there are five foundational pillars that have to be in place. Without these, or a combination of these, I find somebody who will stay down. Those five things, five foundational pillars to come back from failure are loving relationships, uncompromising integrity, clear purpose, vibrant health, optimistic faith. Now, I've seen that again and again and again. If somebody goes down, but on the way down, they sabotage relationships, they compromise their integrity, they don't have a clear purpose, they you know destroy their health. Wow. I mean, those things, you don't bounce back if those things are absent. Well, Let me give you another example. Then I spoke with, the morning when I woke up and saw that note, spoke with a 42-year-old cardiologist who I have the pleasure of coaching right now. Just a dynamite young guy. And we're really uncovering some uh, astounding things that he's going to be able to move into. But he's very successful as a cardiologist. Just wanted to make some adjustments and move on. He sees people daily because they're having heart problems. But they need to stop smoking, lose weight, reduce stress, create boundaries on toxic relationships in their lives. He helps them map out the things they need to do. And six months later, he sees them again because they haven't stopped smoking. They haven't lost weight. They haven't reduced stress again. And then they're like, you know, well, why didn't you fix me? My goodness, your decisions lead to the things that you are experiencing. If you are in a tough spot, you know, do you then ask for prayer and get other people's sympathy, ask for God to intervene? Now, this is, I, I know that, you know, where I am on this spectrum and I'm, I'm way on the side of taking personal responsibility. That's a big deal with me, I mean, I love having God's sovereign help, believe me, and reach out daily for things that only God can allow me to do and doors that he can open. But if I have a flat tire in my car, I don't ask, why did God do this to me? I ask myself, have I checked the tire pressure? Did I have the tires rotated regularly? Is it time to get new tires? I mean, if I get sick, I don't immediately complain that my life is so hard and God must be trying to teach me something. No, I look at, what did I eat in the last 24 hours? Did I let myself get stressed and weaken my immune system? Was I around a sick grandchild? Should I be taking probiotics or other supplements? Do I need to take a fresh look at my diet? I mean, we have a lot of choices to make every single day. And those choices lead to the lives we get to live. Now, again, this is not an easy topic to unpack, and I don't claim to be able to unpack it. In its entirety, at all. But I want you to think about it as you think about situations that you're in right now. I mean, I'm certainly doing that right now. I do have some health concerns right now that I'm looking at. And I'm not screaming out to God, why did you do this to me? I'm looking at, wow, what do I need to change? What decisions do I need to make to walk back into the vibrant health that I want to experience? Well, I'd be delighted to have your comments on that. You can, again, shoot those to ask at 48 dayscom But I appreciate your wisdom. We do have an ongoing discussion going on in the Eagles community right now on that. A lot of people adding their thoughts and wisdom there. But it's just one of those things that we can, we can unpack together. We may have different kind of conclusions about where we end up on that. But uh, I think it's worthy of our introspection and worthy of a, a great discussion. Well, this comes from Bob who says, I'm losing my job. What do I tell potential employers when I interview with them? And he, he says, Dan, I'm in a pickle or so I think, and I'd like your advice. I'm 60 years old, recently decided to take an early retirement option from my employer. I'm getting a 35 week pay severance package. Man, that's pretty rowdy. 35 <laughs> week pay severance package. What is that? Seven months? Wow. My wife and I are between two and four years away from me to actually retire. So I'm looking for a new job. Um, two weeks after my company offered the early retirement, they announced that one half of my IT department is going to be outsourced in May of 2019. And my name is on that list. So he's lucky to have taken the severance package that he did because the severance package for those people who jobs are going to be eliminated is not clear at this point. Bob says, my last day with the current company is January 2nd, 2019. I'm actively looking for a new job in IT as a software development manager, or project manager, but I have yet to land an interview. Now, when I talk with prospective employers, what do I tell them when they ask the inevitable question, why are you looking for a new job? Or why do you want to leave your current position? That's my first question. My second question is, if I'm still interviewing after I'm no longer employed, how do I answer those same questions at that time? And he also adds that he's used to making $125,000 a year. I would like to make in that range, but would be willing to take a cut and pay if necessary. Well, for one thing, I don't think you need to anticipate taking a cut and pay because software developer, developers, IT guys, project managers right now are in such hot demand. I mean, I, Amazon just announced that they are opening. God, let's see, where are you from here? I don't see where you're from. I didn't pull that. Amazon is opening new corporate offices here in Nashville. So there's a big buzz about it. They're going to have 5,000 new jobs. And so these aren't, you know, pulling orders and putting them on a cart. These are corporate positions. The average salary is going to be $150,000. $150,000, the average salary for 5,000 new employees coming in. I oh, mean, places like that are begging for competent people to show up. I mean, Dave Ramsey, we had dinner with Dave and Sharon the other night. They're constantly looking for new people. They're building out a new 47 acre campus just on the south side of Franklin here, and they're adding people. Right now, they're hiring about 20 a month, Dave said. About 20 a month. They're looking for the kind of people that you're talking about. And yes, you're not going to take a pay reduction to go to work there with the skills that you're describing. Now, also you, you allude to the fact that being 60 years old, you're competing in a younger person's arena. Yes, that's true in general, but if you've kept your skills sharpened all these years, you're a player. People don't care how old you are. They want to know what can you do? I mean, that's, An unrealistic, perceived bias to think that because you're older, no, it's if you're older and haven't kept your skills up to date, then yes, indeed, there's going to be bias. But it's not because of your age, because your skills aren't up to date. So, golly, I would encourage you to go right into the right back into the market as it pertains to what do you tell somebody? Tell them exactly what you've told me here. Your department is being outsourced, and your job has been eliminated. It doesn't matter if you are interviewing between now and January 2nd, your last day at the job. Um, Yeah, January 2nd. Or if it's after that, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And that's not a big deal. I mean, companies know that things happen with mergers, acquisitions, outsourcing, and all the things that with workplaces is still volatile. So they don't hold it against somebody. If you lost your job, not at all. That's not a negative for you to have lost your job. Now as as you have described your position, you elected to take a severance package and leave. I mean that's a pretty cool thing. That's a really positive move to have made and you can share that with somebody. So I don't I don't see any roadblocks at all working against you. Nothing at all. You can waltz through this and write your own ticket on the other side, Bob. Well, hey, quick breather. There we got some more great questions here to go through. But uh, well, just a reminder, these are real life questions from you all, the listeners, people who are in the Eagles community, people in my mastermind, and certainly those of you who get our weekly newsletter or just podcast listeners. We don't care. But if you got a question, just shoot it in to at 48 dayscom Well, this comes from Heather. He says, first of all, I want to thank you for your podcast. Enjoy listening to it each week. I love your positive attitude, advice, creativity. You really challenge me, and I've learned so much. I have a question for you. My husband and I are encouraging our kids to think and act like entrepreneurs. Our oldest is 13 in junior high school. We are encouraging him to start his own business. He loves succulent plants and wants to do something with them. Can you recommend some resources that we can use to teach him and our other children about entrepreneurship and starting a business? We would love to create a little business entrepreneur course to take them through. Thanks so much. Well, Heather, I love your question. I love your attitude and what you're doing with your own kids. Oldest is 13 in junior high. Yes, there are resources out there. but here I I need to add this right off the bat. This is probably something that I get asked as much as any other single question. What resources do you have to teach kids entrepreneurial skills? Now, people hear me talk about my grandkids all the time and the wild and crazy and profitable things that they're doing. And they do. You know, when I talk about Eliza, who is... Well, she's now 17, but um, when she was 16 last summer at a farmer's market, sitting there from 1030 to 430 on a Saturday made $422 face painting. I mean, it's just one example. Here's what we're going to do. I've already discussed this with my team. We're going to put together 48 low or no cost business ideas for kids. Now we have that resource, you know, 48 lower no cost business ideas, you know, that we've had thousands and thousands of people uh, take one of those ideas and do it on their own. I'd love to see people taking those ideas or just have it stimulate an idea of their own. And I'm going to put together these 48 entrepreneurial ideas. Now I could get the 48 entrepreneurial ideas that kids could do just based on my own grandkids probably, but we'll be opening that up and asking for input on that as well. Ideas that you've experimented with, with your own kids or that you've seen. There are some resources out there. One of those, a lady sent me, a listener sent me a book and it's titled Start Young, the ABCs and One 123s of owning a business by the age of six. Now her name is Janita Pavelka. She's the author. But if you just check on Amazon, Start Young, the ABCs, And one, two, threes of owning a business by the age of six. It's very well done. When she originally sent it to me, I don't think it was available on Amazon. I said, oh my goodness, you need to get this out there where people can get it easier. So you can find it there. I just checked a minute ago and uh, that's a great resource, but we are going to be adding it. That's one of the things on my goal list for 2019 is to get a resource put together for how to help kids when they're before they're even double digits, before they're teenagers, the things that they can do. And the, the education that gives them, just like the little street kid I talked about a little bit ago, I mean, the education that gives them, they will never be the same. And that is an education that will serve them really, really well. All right. This comes from, uh, this comes again from Bob who's another Bob who says, Dan, I just moved to Daytona beach for a new job. I live a few blocks from the international speedway. The Daytona 500 comes to town in February. Why 250,000 people would want to sit outside in the heat and watch noisy cars drive around in a circle. I'll never know. But the big question for me is what can I sell to these people? They can already bring coolers into the event, so beverages are not an option. What else would there be that I could lug around on foot or maybe a little push cart wagon? I've heard you talk about licensed products like shirts and hats. Is there something easier than that? Should I be concerned about registering as a business? I just want to make a few bucks over that weekend. Well, here's the deal. Yeah, you will need to register as a business. You can't just walk around in the parking lot. Or inside the racetrack, you know, selling your wares without having a business license. But that that's not a big deal. I mean, you can get that done. And then if you decide to have a little kiosk or a little rolling cart or whatever, sure. But are there ideas, things you can sell? I mean, think about, you know, the NASCAR crowd, you know, coming to the Daytona 500, 250,000 people. I mean, these people are used to spending money. I mean, they get shirts, hats, booze, fancy trucks. I mean, you name it. You know they they spend money on it, so absolutely it ought to be, Cal. It ought to be absolutely your game to be out there and have something to sell. Make sure you get a lot of them. Now here's some ideas. I mean, I just thought of thought of some things here, but certainly you can add to the list, and our listeners can help you add to the list as well. Those little fans that run off your iPhone. I mean, think about it. People know they're going to be sitting out there in the heat and you got a little fan that you can sell them for 10 bucks, you know, buy them for three or whatever. I mean, make, and make sure that you do that, that you have two or three times your cost. So if you sell, you know, buy something for two bucks, yeah, sell it for 10. I mean, that's not uncommon at all. And you can do that when you buy things, especially if you buy a reasonable quantity of things. So those little fans that run off your phone, that's certainly going to be a hot item. Umbrellas that'll attach to your seat. Um, there's sunscreen. I've seen sunscreen that cools you as you spray it on. That would be a, a reasonable item. And then they've got these little, where have I seen these? These little USB powered, again, you just plug it into your phone. And it's it's not only a fan, but it mist as well. You fill it with water and it provides a little mist. I mean, those are some of the things. Yeah, you ought to be able to come up with Three or four things. You can be like that little street kid in Cambodia. You know, have a little cart with three or four items on it for those hungry, eager to spend money, uh, half-drunk fans that are going to show up. Ought to be easy pickings, man, to make a kill in there. All right. This comes from Maria, who says, I've been a huge fan of yours. I love all your books. My hope is to have my own business in 2019. My problem is focusing on the type of business and getting the first client. I started a few blogs, consulting businesses, online stores with varying topics, career, food, fashion, even some of the 48 low-cost business ideas. But I can't push through that initial barrier to get clients and make a profit. I'm now working on a blog online store specializing in sustainable houseware. And she has the website there, which I'm not going to give you because the website is not Active anymore, even in that short period of time. My creative juices are drying up. I can't come up with content even though it's a passion of mine. I currently work in retail management. I'm good at it, but desperately want to work for myself. What do you suggest for someone whose mind is all over the place? Well, take that mind and reel it back in, Maria. I mean, that that is when you talk about you've tried blogs, consulting business, online stores with various topics. I mean, you can't be all over the board and be successful. You have to focus in on something. It's like people that I see do FBA fulfilled by Amazon. I've known countless people who got into that all gung ho and they rented a warehouse somewhere and they're selling mattresses and potato chips and gummy bears and fountain pens. You know, they're all over the place just trying to chase the next deal those are not the people that I see successful. The ones that I see really rocket are the ones that focus in on one item and become a specialist. It can be cameras, binoculars, old vintage guitars. I don't care. You could go on, but it's those who focus in on one thing and become very knowledgeable in that, that seem to then really attain a high level of success. So what I would suggest is that you take all of your ideas and go ahead and get a lot of ideas. I mean, get 20, work your way up to 20 ideas, but then screen those through what you know about yourself. What is it that you really care about? I mean, it can't just be all over the board. Follow your curiosity, follow your passions, follow what you know about yourself, your skills and abilities, even your personality tendencies, your dreams, those things that keep coming up. I mean, make that a filter. So you take those 20 ideas and narrow down to three or four, then do a little bit more research, choose one and just stick with that. That's what you want to do. Just stick with one and -hmm. then you'll find your success. Well, a couple more here. John says, and help. I quit a job in August, but I'm friends with most of my colleagues at my previous employer via social networking. Frankly, the demands of the work was that I was doing for the pay didn't match. So I moved on. Now the person they hired is not figuring out the system I put in place for them and is coming to my former manager and social media friend. Who's asking for my help. This is not a quick 15 minute fix, which, you know, I've done some in the past, It quite bluntly sounds like the man who they hired doesn't know his job. I want to honor my friendship with a manager, but I can't provide consulting for free. What should be the protocol? Many thanks if you can help. Well, yeah, that's not unreasonable at all. You left. Everything's finished. You're not drawing a paycheck from there anymore. You've already done some help to hand over your system to the new guy. He's not getting it. They want you to come back. Tell them you'd be happy to do that you know, this is what it would look like. You know, you can either have me just come back and say, uh, be available over a period of a month and you pay me a monthly retainer fee of $2,000 just to be available. Or I can come back in, spend three hours with the guy and he can pay me $200 an hour to do that. You know, which of those would be more appealing to you? I mean, just lay out some options for them. Not unreasonable. It's not going to be seen as threatening your friendship or anything like that. It's a reasonable next step in the situation that you're describing. All right, let me grab this one. Let's go with um, Ray who says, Dan, I love what I do, but I feel underpaid. The company I work for does not do six month or even a yearly evaluation. We're a small shop of about 20 employees. I'm thinking about writing a letter asking to have a pay scale evaluated to my current position and performance. I would send this letter to my supervisor, company vice president, and the owner of the company. What advice can you give me in this situation? Here's a little background I've been with the company for 12 years and have moved up in position, always more responsibility, not really getting a salary increase. I feel that the letter may help increase my salary, or at least let me know if I should look for greener pastures. Well, I think you're right on track. I mean, a a company should do, well, at least a yearly evaluation. But if they haven't taken the initiative, you certainly have the right to ask for that. After 12 years of working there and putting in faithful service during that time, you have more than earned the right. But you don't need to be real formalized about it or make it complicated, just simply ask, just talk to your supervisor. Say, Hey, it's been some time since we really went down. You know, I'm interested in feedback about what you think of my performance. When can we sit down? You know, what about next Tuesday at four 30, just as everybody's kind of slowing down, I mean, just suggest a time and go in with prepared to validate what it is you've done that merits a pay increase. Now, you can be prepared for this. You can go to salary.com, other sites like that, and put in your job title, your geographic location, and it's going to tell you the range of salary to be expected. Having been there 12 years, if you haven't gotten a lot of increases during that period of time, you may be highly undercompensated. And you don't need to be threatening to them, but you can let them know that you're very aware of that, that you're undercompensated for your competency. And the value that you bring to the organization. And you'd love to look at the possibility of an adjustment on that. Be very direct on that. Say that, you know, I know that you're paying me, you know, $65,000 a year, but based on the level of responsibility that I have and looking at national averages for right here in our town, you know, it looks that we're kind of shy there, that that's more in the $84,000 range. What... Could you make work in your budget where it wouldn't be a hardship for you, but it'd be more in line so that I could feel better about my continuing involvement here? I mean, you can just lay it out like that. Again, not it's not threatening, it's not unexpected, and certainly is not unreasonable for you to take initiative, especially right here at the end of the year. Great time to do that. Just do a review of the year and then move ahead. But no be prepared in advance again to justify the Value that you bring and to know a reasonable range for how you should be compensated. Well, hey, we're gonna you know, we're gonna wrap there. That's gonna be enough without trying to squeeze in another one here. Just a couple things reminders uh, we still are getting inquiries about the cruise coming up in April. That's our Acres of Diamonds cruise. And as you've heard me talk about, uh, there's now a document there. If you go to 48days.com cruise, there is a document. You can open that and submit a proposal to be one of our speakers. We're going to have people who are cruisers be the speakers rather than bringing in, you know, some big hotshot names that doesn't seem to, you know, we, we love people that just mix together. They'll be, A whole bunch of us who know each other because of our connections already anyway. We're going to be going from Fort Lauderdale down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then down to St. Thomas, then back up the Dominican Republic, then over to Nassau. It's going to be a really cool island hopping trip for one week. We'll get to spend time together, but we'd love to have you check that out. And you can go to that again, 48days.com slash cruise, and just simply look at the what I'm expecting, what I'm looking for there in terms of people that would be able to add a valuable contribution to that experience. Love to have you check it out. Hey, also, the Eagles group continues to grow. We're getting ready to send out an amazing Christmas gift package to those people who are in the Eagles group. I'm really excited about it. I know it's going to blow people's minds. Uh, we've got candy and jewelry and books, and resources in there. That's going to go out to all the Eagles members. If you want to jump in quick, you can still do that. Just go to 48DaysEagles.com, get started with us there. Well, hey, thanks for the questions that you've got coming in that uh, keep me on my toes. Give us great fodder for conversations here. Enjoy the conversations that are going on in our communities where I get a chance to interact with you directly. But again, if you got a question you'd like to have, featured here just shoot it to me at askdan at 48days.com and overall you know the routine thanks for being part of this organization this growing community of people who care for each other people who are compassionate people who return wallets people who help other people out when they're in a jam and people who know how to find or create work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable